approach, approach this subject would be to tell the story of relationship. Yeah? And the clearest exposition of love in the Bible comes in the form of parables in the Bible. Though there is no word of love even mentioned in the parable, the whole chapter, but I think that is the clearest exposition of God showing of His love towards us. And then that is, that is found in Luke 15, a chapter in the Bible with three different parables, three different stories with the same message. The lost sheep, everybody say the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the last one is the lost son. And the parable of the last one, the parable of the lost son is like the climax and the conclusion of the three parables where the loving father, or I would say the lovesick father is longing, trying to find trying to find the lost son. And when he found the lost son, he threw a party. And we can't understand the parable of the lost son if we don't understand the first two parables, the parable of the sheep and the parable of the coin. We need to understand the first two in order we can fully understand the last parable. So today I'm going to cover all the three parables. It's going to be lengthy, but thank God there is no Philippine church today. So I'm going to like, Take my own sweet time, and you, just, you guys just hang on with me, all right? All right, so, you know, many times this parable explain focusing on the lost son, okay? Oh, this son shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that. He should, like, stay in the house, focus on the lost son. But today, I want to focus on the perspective of the lovesick father who longs for the lost to be found. And so, let me give you my sermon for the day. I title it, Lost and Found. Say it out loud, Lost and Found. Alright. So, let, let's take a look at the parables. This the entire chapter of Luke 15. It's beautiful. The parable of the lost sheep, the first one. Okay, let me just read it to you. Now... The tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. All right? But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. I highlight those two words. There are two groups. The first one, I want to highlight to you. What are they? The first group is the tax collector. So Jesus was like saying to these two groups of people, the first group were the sinners. All right. All right. And the second group is, of course, it's not sinners. It's not this, the same group. Is the tax collectors. Or the Pharisees. Pharisees, all right, and the tax collectors, oh yeah, you're right, I'm trying to like, <laughs> you know, sinners and the tax collectors, you follow me today, all right, and the Pharisees and 
the teachers of the law, right? Teachers of law. The board is small today. So, let me just continue. Verse 3. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friend and neighbors together and say, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Now, the parable started off with two groups being mentioned, being described. One, tax collectors and sinners. The other group is Pharisees, teachers of the law, who might are saying, Jesus shouldn't be with these guys. Jesus hanging out with this guy. Why would Jesus hanging out with sinners? Jesus will be marked guilty by associating with these groups of people. He should be with us. And so Jesus replied to them with the parable. You get the context? You get the context, church? With the parable saying, there are 100 sheep, one lost, and I will go with them. I will find them. That's the parable. Now, you know, do you know uh, when I, I hear the story, like when Jesus like, referred us as sheep, I thought it's like compliment. It's a compliment to me, a compliment to all of us. Because many of times the Bible refers us as sheep, correct? I thought it's like compliment because it is cute and uh, adorable, lovable, but they are not. They are not. They are actually one of the dumbest animals. The dumbest animal, stupid. And they are almost blind. Why would Jesus like refer us as sheep? But the good thing is they have a good hearing. What? He? Hearing. They got hearing. So it is like, makes sense now that we shouldn't walk by sight. We should walk by faith, by hearing what we hear from the shepherd's voice, just like sheep. So the only one who wandered off, the only sheep who wandered off is the one, not because he didn't listen, because they have good hearing. It's because they didn't want to. He didn't, the sheep didn't want to. Decided to just wander off, take off from the pack, from the group, and just go anywhere he wanted to go. Not because he didn't hear. Decided to go. Now, the shepherd will leave the 99, find the one that is lost. So my first point from the father, why would, why would the shepherd leave the 99 to find one? My first point is, from the perspective of the Father, the first point is, because God is less sick with the loss that belong to Him. God is obsessed with all that belongs to Him. A lot of Christians always say, hey, uh, you know, God loves us. 
God loves all of us, but it's only like in the beginning. God loves us, but when the, the new one, the sinners come, we just, he, God just don't care. He just left off, take off, and left us, the 99, alone. Why? Because God is six with the loss that belongs to Him. You think that you, you are the only one belong to Him? The loss too belong to Him. Now, the first, another first that will be able to help us understand the Father's standpoint is Jesus didn't die for the Christian. He died for the sin of the whole world. 1 John 2.2 2. Meaning He paid the price for the sinners too. He paid the price on the cross in exchange for the sinners and the lost. They too belong to Him. I hang out with them. I'm friends to sinners. That's the standpoint of Jesus. You know, I had two sons in front, um, Jethro and Jordan. Both ever lost and found before. Um, I asked him yesterday, Jethro, do you remember when you were three years old, you lost before? And where? In Simlim. You know, Simlim? Right, when, when, when we are so busy looking for stuff, he wandered, he wandered off. And we're like, where, where, where's Jethro? We're like so scared. And uh, we don't know what to do. It's like looking around and uh, cut story short, of course. It's not so scary when we lost our, our, our kid in Singapore, right? Definitely we will find it. So lost and found. And, but I got a second one and scarier, Jordan. We lost him. Do you know where? We lost Jordan in a town called Fersels. How many of you know Fersels? It's somewhere near Paris when we went for holiday and we don't know where it is exactly. It's like very far from Paris. Not very far, but okay. He was like five years old at the time when he was lost. We were in the building, cut the story short. We found him almost like stunned, crying outside the building. We were like looking inside the building for like 10, 15 minutes or less. I don't know. I can't remember exactly. But at the end, we found him like stunned outside the building. And all the story, all the scary thoughts like coming in. What if, what if, what if somebody grabbed him and then like, sell and sell the kidney cell or, or, or in the name of Jesus but we found him we found him and do you want to see the pictures? <laughs> yeah, there you go so cute alright that's the bodyguard elder brother and the lost younger brother now my point of showing this is you know, when I lost Jordan, I didn't say, ah, that's okay. I still have Jethro with me. <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Okay. Uh, but 
the truth I find out is Jethro was as concerned as me when we lost Jordan. So many Christians was like pointing, why God laughed for one when he have the 99? Just buy another ship. Because it's not belong to you. Only those who have relationship with Father will share the shame heart with his Father. And treat those who are lost as his own brother and sister. Just like Jethro is as concerned as me trying to find Jordan, we should be concerned finding the lost. Why would Jesus laugh for the 99 and left me alone? Left the 99 and find one and left me alone? No, we should be as concerned as God because it's belong to Him. The second parable, the parable of the lost coin. Let me read it. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friend and neighbor together and say, Rejoice with me, I have found my, last, my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God, of a one sinner who repents. Now, let me just show you. The first one was like what? The first parable, the lost, the lost sheep. first parable was the lost sheep. The second parable is the there in the wild to find the lost and bring him home. Correct? It's outside. It's outside the home. It's outside the house. The sheep is like, let me just throw a sheep. It's like outside. And the shepherd will bring him home. And what about the lost coin? The coin was lost. In the house. Where is it, church? It's in the house. How many of you lost something? It's not outside the house, but inside the house. How many? It's like keys, where I put my keys. Oh, it's lost in the house. So, what it tells us about coin. Coin is something valuable. There's a value. And love has direct connection to value. Okay, let me repeat again. Love has direct connection to value. And value is found in what we are willing to give in exchange for something. And so we love what we value the most. Some of you get a new phone get a new iPad, get a new shoes, because it's so new, you will value it. You will clean it. You know, one of my kids just got a new phone. I won't name which one, because God too. Right? So he got a new phone, and a few days ago, we went to Decathlon. It was like raining. These few days, was like raining. And he said, okay, kid, let's just go down. It's raining, right? And then you, know what he, you know what he said, because he got a new phone? Wait, wait. Let me put the... The, the phone in my pocket, I thought next step is he want to take an umbrella. But no, he take off into the rain. He just make sure the phone won't get wet. Because he value the phone. You know what I mean? 
He doesn't mind to get wet as long as the phone not get wet. But the phone, he didn't realize is IP56, meaning it can get wet. You know, so value, love has a direct connection to value. You understand? Love has a direct connection to value. Value is found in what we are willing to give in exchange for something. So I'll give you another example. If you throw, if I crumple $50 notes, how many of you $50 you want me to crumple? Give it to me. See, you, you don't want to give it to me because you value $50 notes. If I crumple $50 note, I like step on it and it doesn't matter whether it's dirty, dented, or smelly. Ten times I drop it, ten times I will pick it up. You agree with me? Ten times I drop it, ten times I pick it up. If you want to try it, drop it $50, see if there's nobody. I challenge you, nobody will pick it up. Even if you don't pick it up, somebody else will pick it up. You agree? Now, the loss, if somebody do not find the loss, the devil will find it. Pick it up. So, my next question, how much does God value us? God value us the same as He values Jesus. I want that word to like sing into your heart. God values us the same as He values Jesus. Because God is willing to give Jesus in exchange for you and me. He exchanged. He values Jesus as much as He values you. He values you as much as He values Jesus. He gives Jesus in exchange for us. Amen? That's the perspective of the Father. Why? He needs to be concerned about the loss. Let's move on. Verse 11. The parable of the lost son, which is the climax. Jesus continued, there was a man who had, how many? Two sons. Just like Kobuyung, just like Sony, just like me, just like Chilusi and Colim, two sons. Two, two, two children, alright? They had men who had two sons. Then, continue verse 12. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in what living. Now, I want you just to pause for a little while. Give me my inheritance now. The younger son, the younger son said, what would you think? What would be the reaction for you if you are a parent of this child? Give me my inheritance before you die. Give it to me right now. I know you have been saving up for me, but give it to me now when it's still alive. Give it to me now. What would be your reaction as parents? Me? Since I'm a parent too, I will not give it. I will not give. Do you think, how many of you will agree with me? How many of you? You're not a parent yet. You can say, make a decision, make a choice. Answer. How many of you will not give your inheritance because you're still around? And this kid wants to have the inheritance with your brother, give it to you. How many of you will not give? Put up your hand. 
One, two, three. The rest of you will give? Alright. So now, if me, I wouldn't allow it to happen. Not because he will take my money. Not because I will be like half poor. But knowing my son to go to a distant place, cutting off relationship with me. And probably endanger himself. I will not give. But look at the parable. What the parable did? What the father did? He gave. Knowing that the father let the son to have the inheritance, it just messed up my mind. Messed up my logic. Because I wouldn't do it. Why? Why? The story will just stop here, isn't it? Right? If the father say no, no. That's it. The story will just stop there. But the father gives. This is to show, listen to this, this is to show that God will not force His will on us in order for us to love Him. Let me repeat it again. This is, the Father gave the inheritance so that He will not force His will on us in order for us to love God. He gave us the choice either to love Him or to love to leave him either to love God or to leave God my point number 3 from the perspective of the father why he would do that okay because real love is authenticated by our free will to choose he give it you want the inheritance i give to you it's a free will to choose you want to leave me because love cannot be forced. The Father let us choose. You know, we as a Christian always question and challenge God like this question. Why did God place that apple in the middle of the garden? I mean, the apple is the short form of the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. Just too, sh- too long, right? Why would God place the apple in the garden of Eden? Why didn't God just place it somewhere where Eve can't reach, couldn't reach, right? Just put it somewhere, he couldn't see. So Eve and Adam and Eve wouldn't fall into temptation. Why as a Christian we cannot have sex before married? If it is sinful, why didn't God create us without the desire to have sex until you get married, switch on. Now you get that desires. Why? Why didn't God create us like this? Why didn't God create us like that? As if God created us like robot, and we will be better off if He did. No, God knows He can't make us like robot because He can't get love from a robot because it will be programmed. If God created you as a robot, you have no choice. It's not love. Because it's programmed. It's coded in you. He gives you the choice. You want to love me? I love you. I love you first. I give you the choice. There won't be true obedience if there is no real temptation. Don't you think so? If there is no temptation in front of you, there won't be any real obedience. Because you'll be like walking straight. But the moment there's a temptation, 
you decide whether to walk straight and be obedient or you wander off. There won't be true love if there is no free will to choose. God purposely put that apple smack in the middle of the garden to prove the love. It's the relationship that God is after. It's not the creation of robot. So what the story of the father giving the inheritance to the son tell us, I want you to just focus on this. It's just very good that I received this. God sometimes will let you have what you want, like giving the inheritance to the son. God sometimes will let you have what you want to teach us that what you want is not what we want in the end. It makes sense? You get it? No, you don't. God sometimes will let you have what you want, have it, to teach us that what you want is not what you want. Sometimes we have this rebellion spirit as a child. Uh, I don't want this one. I want that one. God say, you have to do this. But as a child, we are a little bit rebellious to parents. Like, no, I don't want this one. I want that one. I want that one. I want to have relationship with that woman. It doesn't matter if she doesn't have a character. It doesn't matter. I just want that one. Just want to rebel. And God sometimes allow that to happen as a parents to show us, to teach us later on in the end, what you want is not really what you want. In the end, it, that is not the place you want to end up with. That's exactly what happened to the lost son. Give the inheritance to him. At the end, it's not what he wants. God made him choose. Why? So that when we come back, when we return, oh, this is not what I want. When we return to God, when we love Him in the end, we love Him because we decide to love Him, not a force. We decide to love God. It's not programmed. We choose to love God. It's not coded. We want to love God. It's your free will. You get this, church? Sometimes God lets you what you want. But it is, is it your will that it is the best? Even though sometimes we know, you know, the good and perfect gift comes from the above. That's James saying, you know, everything comes from above are the best, but sometimes we do not want the best. We just want to wander off. God have, let, let us have it. And then we at the end realize, oh, it's not what I want. I want to come back. And God allowed that because He need, He gives you the free will to choose. Teach us it is a choice. Luke 15, let's go deeper. After he had spent everything there, well, there was a severe, severe famine in, the whole, in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to the city of that country, who sent him to his field to feed pigs. Watch this one, I highlighted in yellow. He longed, the son longed to fill his stomach with the pots, with the food that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Now, I want you to just look at me for a while. And when the younger son decided to leave his father, it was a picture 
of living in sin. Everybody say, living in sin. That was a picture of living in sin. He was like, take off. Okay, let me just take off from here. And was like, wander off. Living in sin. That's a picture of living in sin. Now, church, there is a difference between living in sin and fall, falling to sin. Now, I'll just dig deeper. Living in sin is a decision where you actually take, oh, this is the way I'm living my life. As I'm settling my life to live in sin. You decide, I'm going to do this way. I know this is my life. You settle yourself to live in sin. This is the way I'm living my life. It's a decision, living in sin. The youngest son take off, it was a decision to live in sin. Now, fall to sin is an event when a righteous stumble, trip, trip himself up because of the weaknesses of the flesh. How many of you, you are, you, you, you are a Christian, you love God, you, you don't live in sin, but you fall to sin from time to time. Can, can we be like hot church, honest, open, and transparent when you sometimes fall to sin? You know, the Bible says the righteous fall and get back up. Okay, fall to sin is an event where a righteous stumble because of temptation, trip himself up because of weaknesses of the flesh. All right? But they will get back up. The righteous fall seven times, they get back, they, they get back up. But they made a progress from where they started off. Let's say, I fall. Alright? As a righteous, I get back up. I fall, stumble, I get back up. But I was not the same person, I'm not the same person as I was before. I made progress. I made progress. Living in sin is different. Your conscience decided to live in sins. This son decided to live in sin. The same way as we need to make addition to love and follow Jesus, living in sin is a decision. Those who wander off from the fathers, from the grace of God, decided to live in sin. You might be struggling, but get back up. So, a few things I want to highlight to you what you can learn from this. When the prodigal son settled to live in sin, this is what happened. The son, that younger son, wanted to eat what? The food that the pigs were eating. What did he tell us? He ended up wanting and desire for what is left instead of wanting to decide what is best from God. He decided to like, he desired to, for lust instead of for love. He desired for pride instead of peace. Something that the flesh desires. You know, when you live in sin, you will have a different desire when you live under grace, under the love of God. You just have different desires. And the son who lives in sin, what he wants in, they want the pig's food. All the worldly desires Lust, that's what you choose. Pride, that's what you choose. 
all the worldly, all the flesh desire. That's exactly what I read last night, Romans 8, verse 5, that says, those who live, living, those who live in accordance to the flesh have their mindsets on the flesh desires. You're just thinking about lust. You're just thinking about the pride, what satisfies you. But the moment you return and come back to God, you will have a different desires. You will want to please God. You will want to make God happy. You will want to change. You want, you want to be a person to be like Jesus. You will have different desires. Continue. Verse 17. When he came to his senses, he said, How many, how many of my father's hired servant have food to spare? And here I'm starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called, to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. So this son want to go back to the father but just want to be a hired servant. But do you know that he, when he left... He was the father's son. When he returned, he wanted to be a hired servant. What changed? Hired servant is the lower level of relationship. This is talking, we are talking about love. Hired servant is the lower level of relationship with God. The younger son just wants to get saved. You get it? The younger son just wants to be, he was here living in sin. When he returned, he just wanted to be get saved, just to be at the property so he gets saved, just, get, just so that he can get to heaven, but he doesn't want to be his son relationship. So many of us come to God, just want to get saved. You just get the salvation and you stop the relationship with, the God, with, with, with God. I wonder, the irony is, you want heaven, but you do not want relationship with the heavenly father. And God said, you want hired servant? No. I have more. You are loved too much to be hired servant. You know what the father said? God has a better plan for his children more than just getting saved. Come in. The father gave him the base rope, the sandal and the ring in the latter passage we will read. What does it say? God restore his identity. Rob signify identity. You are righteous. You've been living in sin. You come back, I restore. You want higher servant? No. You are better done. You are better off. You are better than a higher servant. I restore you. I give you the rope. And God, the fathers give the sandal. What does sandal tell us? Sandal tell us about your dignity. The first one, identity. The second one, sandal, is about your dignity. Slave do not have sandals. You are not slave. You are my son. He gives you a sandal. The third one, he gives you the ring. Give him the ring. The ring is the power and authority. It's his power to be the son of God. You don't come back, repent, expecting. I know it's valid because you should be like, punished by the Father, but God's love towards you is not just hired servant. 
not just getting saved. Thank God you are saved today, but God wants you to be closer to Him, and God has a lot of things in store for you to be just hired servant, get to heaven. I want deeper relationship with you. And our walk with God does not start off as hired servant. Thank God. Our walk with God starts off as a son. Amen? A son who has the rope. A son who has the sandal. A son who has the authority, the ring on our fingers. That's grace. That's the love. Read it quickly. The Spirit of God, Romans 8, that you receive, the Spirit of God that you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. You want to be hired servant. God say, no, I want you to be my son, my child. How many of you can just give God's hands, claps to the Lord and thank God? He wants you to be a son. Verse 20. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. The next one. Filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Verse 21. The son said to the father, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and you, I want to just stop for a while. I want you to actually notice the slide and notice the sequence, all right? Verse 20, the father threw his arms around the son and kissed him. Before, verse 21, before the son confessed, I have sinned against heaven and you. God's acceptance comes before anything else. The moment you return to Him, whether you confess or not, God is obsessed with the loss. Return to Him right now, and He will just hug and kiss you. Even if before you confess, I have sinned against heaven and against you. He gives you the rope, He gives you the ring, He gives you the sandals. Is that a picture of love? Without showing the word love? That's love in action. The sequence is clear. That is the truest form of extraordinary love. A little bit more and I'm, I'm done. Verse 25. Meanwhile, the other son, now, okay, before I go to that, there's a lost sheep, lost son, there's a younger son, there's an elder son, elder son, right? Now you'll see a pictures in a while. Meanwhile, now the older son was in the field. This is a different, different, different son. Okay, not the younger one that wandered off. The older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, "What was going on? Your brother has come." He replied, "Your father has killed the fattened calf because he has, he has him back safe and sound." Then verse twenty-eight. The older brother became what church. Angry. Why would party? Because the one who squandered your wealth returned? 
He became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. Pleaded, you know what's meaning of pleaded? Pleading? Another translation of the Bible, begging. The father's begging with him, but he answered to his father. Look, all these years I've been, I've been, I've been slaving for you and never disobey you. No matter disobey your orders. Yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friend. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitute comes home, you killed, you killed the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. Now, I want to draw attention here. Just like the elder brother, you can be in the church doing all the Christian thing on a daily basis. You are close to God here in the church. Thank God for that. But there is no personal relationship with the, with the Father. Both, I would say, lost. Both the younger son and the elder son, both are lost. What I mean by lost, to be lost means you lost connection with the father, you don't, have a, you don't have a personal relationship with his father. The elder son wasn't aware the father has everything and it's belonged to him too. Why would the elder son asking for a good when he knows the father has the fattened calf? Because there is no relationship. He was lost too. And notice what the father did with the other brother angry. He begged him to come home. Begged him to come home. Both are lost and then found. Why? Because the father come and begged the other brother. This is what I want to say and um, I think this is like beautiful. The father knew how to give and apply certain level of love and grace to each of them to bring home, to bring them home, to bring them home. The younger one, he restored. The elder one, he begged, come home with me. It is not the sons, it is the father who begged. It was the love of the Father that found them and bring both home. And I want to conclude with this. Conclude with this one. God needs to be gracious before He can give you the truth. This is what happened. God needs to be connected to you first before He can correct you. He accepts you as you are. It doesn't matter with the coins. The notes, the money is dirty, crumpled. Just the way how you live your life, crumpled, crumpled. Nobody wants, dirty. But the moment you return, the value never changed to the owner of that money, to that coin. The same way to God, your value will never change. And the logic is like this. So I want, hopefully it opens your mind. If God values you the same as Jesus, his son, and give Jesus a change of you, what would the Father would expect you to be? Let me repeat it again. 
if God value you the same as He value Jesus, and He gives Jesus in a change of you, what would the Father expect you to be? To be just like His Son. Amen? Just to be like His Son. But God needs to be gracious to you, accept you, before He can give you the truth. God needs to be connected to you first. He hug you first, kiss you first, before He can correct you here. And God needs to love you first because before He can lead you. He has that rope, sandals, and the ring. Walk with me. Progress with me. I know you stumble. Walk with me. I'll be with you. I will lead you because I love you. Amen? Let's just close today. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, that we understand how, how, how you love us, Lord Jesus. You value us to be the same as the keyboardists to come. You value us to be the same as you value Jesus. Let's just stand on our feet. Father, we thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord. Let me just sing the second songs, the worship songs. Come to the altar, Father's arms. I'll open wide. I just want to come before you, Lord. I just want to come home. I just want to be close to you. Father, we thank you, Lord. Oh, oh come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness but with, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come, come to Let's just close our eyes. Every, every head bow. Let's just come before God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just connect to God right now. Come to the For your forgiveness, oh God. It's just a music play. Today you know who you are. And God knows who you are. He sees you as you are. No matter what you did, no matter what happened. Your value to Him never changed. Either you're lost wandering off just like the lost son doing your own thing, your way. Are you lost in the house? Just like the elder. Not having connection, relationship with God. But God is right here waiting for those to return. God is here longing to have connection, deeper relationship with you. I just want to pray for two groups of people here. Let's just close our eyes. If you groups 